Welcome to the Travel Agent Interview. I am your host, Megan Chapa, and I am privileged today to have Sherry Cavalin on the phone with me. Welcome, Sherry. Thanks, Megan. Glad to be here. Yeah, it's a privilege to have you, and it's going to be nice to talk about um, some of the things that you specialize in, and especially in relation to some of the things that are happening in the world. Uh, so today we're going to forfeit our gadget or technology, and we're going to talk about um, what is important to the regions that have been affected by recent events. So Sherry, go ahead and tell us um, the message that you have for us. Well, I can't speak for them because fortunately, although living in Florida for 40 years, we dodged the storm on the East Coast. But um, I know that a lot of my friends and neighbors are very affected by it. People I have relationships with all over the Caribbean. Um, I was mm-hmm. very worried when it was approaching New Orleans because a lot of our friends there have restaurants. Uh, some of the, many of these islands, many of these Caribbean destinations rely almost solely on tourism for their livelihood. And um, as I was watching this unfold with this, this series of hurricanes, uh, it, it, it touched me that a lot of the travel industry was pulling together. Cruise lines were canceling cruises and t- picking up people, transporting necessary goods to those areas. Um, many of the cruise lines, as well as some of the hotels, are reducing prices to or travel to those regions and then donating back to charitable organizations. I know Oceana is um, both reducing their price on cruises to the Eastern Caribbean and then donating $500 for each cruise. And then at the end, they are going to match that donation, and it all goes to all hands volunteers that is are working in those needed regions. But because these Caribbean regions, and also in my own backyard, so much of the Florida Keys were totally decimated, these areas rely on the tourism. So they're trying to get their tourism uh, infrastructure back up as fast as they can. The first thing we saw were the ports opening as soon as they made sure that it was safe and sound. And uh, they just need to get back in, in, in the swing of, re, of, of receiving guests as fast as possible. And um, I know people are like, well, I just don't want to go there because the storms were there. But I really kind of feel that we kind of need to take that opposite path, path and we need to go to those regions because they need us. Um, after 911, some of my friends and I were some of the first to go back to New York City. And as we were on a double decker bus, people were waving at us and clapping that, you know, we were not afraid to be there. Um, you know, right now, the wildfires are going on in California wine country. That's going to both damage their industry and their tourism there. And we just all have to find a way to support them. And they really, they really need that right now. And they need to, they need that to help their economies recover. They're very fragile, and I think that that shouldn't be overlooked when planning the bigger spectrum of where to go on your next trip. People say, I don't want to go to the Caribbean because it's, I don't want to see devastation. Well, trust me. I saw the video from Key West right after the port reopened. Everything looks normal. They These, these hotels and these resorts, and they, they very much want to put on a positive face because they want to be attractive to the consumer because they need the consumer dollars. So, Yeah. Yeah. And, and to some extent, it's a little bit sad because they have to do the port first rather than people's homes. But at the same time, if they're not generating income, they can't fix things in the rest of the country. So, yeah. Exactly. I, I think, not only do they have to come out of pocket to rebuild, 
but then they're also losing the tourism revenue on top of the money they need to spend. It's just, yeah. Yeah, it's an important message. Thanks for bringing that up and for encouraging people to keep keep their vacations intact in those areas and also to, you know, maybe purposely go to those places because those people need it and because maybe you'll even get a pretty uh, great rate in doing so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, yep. Sherry, thanks for that. Would you be willing to tell us a little bit about yourself and how you found yourself in the travel industry? Well, that's an interesting story. Um, I uh, spent 30 years in mortgage banking, and that industry came to a crash in 2007, about 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I found myself with, um, you know, a full-time career that went away, a full-time income that went away, and no skills but tremendous uh, customer service. And the vacation of the month plan is always everyone accused me. Um, <laughs> I, they have the problem, but uh, I have indeed traveled internationally since I was 10. I have uh, 40 countries under my belt and uh, about as many U.S. cities. And I love to travel. I mean, that was no secret. And I really didn't think about what was next in my chapter in my career because um, my career pretty much was wiped out. And when you've been self-employed your entire life, it's a challenge. But uh, I was living in a country club at the time, and um, my then-fiancé, uh, who is now my husband, his family wanted to go to Europe, and of course, um, I was tapped to help in, it be instrumental in designing the perfect itinerary, and we had targeted a cruise, um, and it was four generations, that's the reason for my love of multi-generational, and I'm sitting at the in the uh, lounge area at the country club where everybody golfed. I don't golf, but I was sitting there, and a young lady who owned um, what we refer to as a brick-and-mortar travel agency down here for many years came in, and we were talking, and I asked her what her thoughts were on the, on the cruise line and on uh, on the itineraries, which I already knew. And um, she said, well, what are you doing? You're not doing anything. Come into the office. Let me show you how to, how to, how to book this yourself. And I went in, and she didn't have time to support me a lot, but pointed me in the right direction. It was trial by fire. Um, There were a couple pitfalls because she was not able to supervise me the way that I probably should have been, not with the trip, but in the logistics of dealing with the suppliers. And that's something that a consumer without proper support or supervision can get themselves in trouble with just not by understanding all the rules. Mm-hmm. Nonetheless, the trip was fabulous. It was it was uh, three weeks in Italy, and I have some great stories that I'll save till later. Okay. But um, she, I said, well, then, then there was the next trip. Then there was the next trip. And I realized quickly that I, that I could do this, that I just was a trusted advisor for People on you know multi-million dollar transactions. I surely could be a trusted advisor to people for their travel needs. I applied the same skills that I had in mortgage banking to travel, and I set off to find a host and a mentor who could give me some support and put me in the right direction. But I definitely am an accidental travel agent, and love every minute of it. <laughs> yeah, I think that a lot of travel agents. Uh, myself included, end up accidentally in the industry, but everyone is friendly. Everyone loves what they do. And then you just don't want to leave the industry because it, it's, we, 
get to research and plan and explore fun places. It's it's a good place to be. I'm glad it accidentally found you. Yeah, well, me too. Mm-hmm. And it uh, it does allow me to, to fuel my passion, not necessarily support my passion. But, um, yeah, I, uh, I have been invited back into the mortgage arena because I was the best. And I just won't go. I, it, it's not a matter of the money. It's just a matter of I love what I do. And that, that old thing, if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. And okay. since I will do this for the rest of my life, it's a darn good thing. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, let's talk about the area of travel that you specialize in. Well, yeah. So there's that. They put me on a panel once and they asked me about my niche and they said, please explain, you know, your niche and how you got there and what you, and, um, as always, I'm humorous, and I said, a niche, isn't that where you put your urn after you die? Because mm-hmm. I don't want one of those, really. Mm-hmm. And um, I was different from everyone else because um, the same way I built my business in the mortgage business was all by relationship. The same way I built my travel business, that's the same way I have deep, deep-rooted relationships with my suppliers. It's all about relationships. So interestingly enough, uh, in the beginning, I tried to force niches, if that's what we call them, or niche, and it didn't speak to me because really in my relationships with my clients, they become clients for life, and I kind of follow them where yep. they want to go. And what has happened is it just has polarized or evolved to two regions that seem very unlikely to be specialties, but they are just where I happen to spend the most time booking travel to and where I'm the most passionate about and most connected and have traveled the most, and that would be the Caribbean and the Mexican Caribbean as well as Europe. Okay. And uh, But it's really less the destination and more if I have to have a specialty. It is custom designing the travel, the escape, the experience for my client in whatever destination they go to. Now, you've, I'm sure, read these articles that have been circulating Facebook and all of the social sites about don't go to Mexico. And I'm sure you've had clients call you and say, I don't want to go to Mexico. Send me someplace else. And I've, I have clients traveling right now that are in Jamaica because they didn't want to go to Mexico. And you're pretty passionate about this topic. Is there anything you want to say or, or say to people? Cause you would still travel there well, yourself. Well, let me, yes, and, and if you're, you'll, you'll find I'm very passionate about, um, I, everything, but about travel, about awareness, about community. Um, Mexico is large, first of all. So I think people, sometimes their geography is no good. And second of all, when things come out in the media, they, you know, we know what the media does. They sensationalize. And then Facebook, well, that just takes it to a whole different level. But if you read, if you take the time and breathe and read an article, you will find that they're saying that there, there is trouble with the Mexican drug cartels near the, near the border coming from Texas with drug trafficking, which is 36 hours, by the way, from the Mexican Riviera that I'm so passionate about, Cancun and Cozumel, I mean, they would have to drive a long way to cause a problem there. If you use licensed 
suppliers for your transfers, if you use licensed insured suppliers for your excursions, if you do keep your head about you, do what you would do traveling anywhere else. I have a big diamond ring. There you go, everybody. I said it. It lives in my my safe when I travel. I wear my wedding band. Uh, That was a challenge before I had the band. I wore nothing, and then my... My husband was afraid somebody else would get him, get me, but it didn't happen. But the end of the story is don't wear a lot of flashy gold jewelry. Don't flash cash. I had a client was in Italy, and he said, okay, well, I got pickpocketed and this and that and robbed, and I'm like, and, and I know how you are, and you didn't listen to me, did you? And he yeah. didn't. Yeah. He's flashing the cash. He's carrying his wallet in his jacket. Everything I said, don't do. So, you know, you can get yourself in trouble anywhere if you conduct yourself poorly. But back to that. So these um, these advisories, I've been in South Florida now 40 years. I've been traveling to the Caribbean and to the Mexican Caribbean, as I will refer to everything that's on the Caribbean coastline of Mexico, mm-hmm. which is the big tourist area, Riviera Maya, and um, home to the second largest barrier reef in the world, by the way. I can't, I'm not going to stop traveling. This is my opinion, but when people ask me my opinion, I will give it to them. So, um, Sherry, thanks for talking about Mexican travel. I want to make sure that we get a chance to talk about your specialties. Do you want to talk about your business right now for a moment? Sure. Um, My whole life, everything's been relationship-driven. So everything I do, whether a client calls me for a cruise, um, they want a, a honeymoon, they want uh, an escape to Hawaii, they will find that I will take something simple and then from the beginning to the end, I will customize it for them. If they're going to fly into Rome, I'm going to have the private car for them to take them to the hotel that I'm going to book for them for the night before, before their skip the line tour, before their, and then their private tour, the private transfer to the cruise port and then their private or shared or whatever they want excursions along the way. Um, and I will pack as much customization into any experience as they want. And that will sometimes work against me, but <laughs> because I spend a lot of time, but mm-hmm. if, if, if someone gets one trip a year, it should be as absolutely personal as it can be, and I think that people are entitled to that, and I just live for being able to do that for my clients. I had a client whose husband's in the hospital. She said, Jerry, I've got to get away. I mean, he was. we were talking for months, mm-hmm. and she wanted to go to, where did I send her? She wanted to go to Mexico. Okay. She's 68 years old. She went with her with her cousin because she was spending, you know, she spent so much time in the hospital and then in the um, rehab facility. And I put her in a luxury um, resort and the butler picked her up at the airport. And I said, she wants to do spa treatments every day. She wants to do this. Well, she took a helicopter ride over Cancun area, up and down the coastline, and um, did some jewelry shopping, and she was just enormously happy, and and I told her when she got back, well, I should have told you I could have gotten you a camel ride, and she said, oh, no, I would have done that, too, to make it as personal as it can be, even though one thing's that an all-inclusive stay might not be that personal. It can be. 
Would you be able to tell us a great success story, a funny story, or a situation that went wrong that you were able to triumph in? Well, I don't think we have that much time, but huh. I've got a, a short and um, very recent one because obviously the most recent one is uh, clear in my mind, but it plays right into why it's important that I can do the things that Google can never do because if you say I want to go to this restaurant, Google will just say make a reservation. But yep. It doesn't ask the next question. So I have clients right now that are on a three-week custom journey to Italy. The destination was chosen because she is a has a passion for white truffles, not just truffles, but white truffles, okay. the fungus, the expensive fungus. Yes. Okay, so this whole trip, we worked for a year and a half and built this whole trip around it and built component by component. So early on, so she's in, she's starting in Milan, and she decides that she's close enough that she'd want to do a day trip to Lake Como, which I worked with some of the top of the line tour operators over there, mm-hmm. and they together with a private tour on a private yacht around the lake and lunch. And if I know this woman, I know her, I know her. You don't you don't miss lunch and you don't give her a poor lunch. If possible, give her a Michelin star lunch. There are so many other things, but everything came together when I got a message on this Saturday from my or I guess it was Friday, I probably read it Saturday morning from my supplier saying, Oh, we just heard from our supplier and the restaurant that they promised us six months ago is no longer open for lunch. What? So they're, they're substituting this. I, I asked Mr. Google and I went on and I'm like, no, that's not acceptable. The woman's allergic to flowers and here it is. It's like in a, in a garden and, and they were like ivy crawling up the walls and everything else and it was dark and She's on Lake Como, and I know that she is going there for this expansive lake view, and here she is in this little building that is with no view, and it's where the water comes in, and they dock the boats, and I'm like, I'm smelling fish. You know, I'm like, no. I'd be no. P.S., I reached out to um, a friend of hers uh, who is from Milan. He is in southern Illinois. He's a renowned chef. He has a restaurant there. And I said, give me some ideas. I need to get her truffles. By the way, we have forgotten the truffles. And she yeah. wants truffles for dinner. So he named a couple restaurants, and I said, ah, yes, but that one has no view. He goes, oh, no, no view. So I then went back. I found something else. I gave it to the doctor, and she came back, and she said, uh, Oh, no, no, you, you have me in the right place. I found an alternative. And the end of the story is, if I had not known that she had to have that kind of menu, that what was important to her was the view, and she gave up the truffles, by the way, for the view, but if you're in Lake Como, you're going to want that view. She's there for three weeks, and she's going to be going into wine cellars and having plenty of truffle tastings, but the reason for being there was the view. And I knew that if she was surrounded by a jungle of flowers and bushes, her allergies would have made her crazy. Yeah. So but I had to know all these personal things about her that by the time I sent her an email and said, we're picking you up a half hour early and we're going to do this and here's the restaurant substitution, I already knew the answer because I was involved with my client. 
and she was delighted. And this goes to your business motto of your your business specialty is relationships. So there you go. That it is. Do you have a best or most memorable meal that you'd like to share with us? Well, I'm a foodie, so that hasn't come out yet. But mm. I'm a foodie, so that leaves a lot. But um, I actually have something on my on my uh, Pinterest board that's like memorable meals or something, and it's less about the food itself and more about the emotion it evokes. It might be where it was or, you know, what was going on at the time. So I'm very rooted in food. So we, again, we could go on for hours. But um, one thing that will uh, stand out in my mind forever, uh, my four-generation trip I did shortly after starting to date the man who's now my husband, um, we were on Oceana cruises and we were docked in Venice and of course the whole family's Italian on both sides mm-hmm. and we got uh, you know, his brother-in-law goes and, and hails a water taxi and we go up a back canal and we end up at a restaurant that you know is in a hole in the wall and if you don't know it's there you don't know it's there they did apparently but we got in and we walked in and there's it, it almost looks like something that would be appropriate in uh, in Spain you know it's like the the the, the leg, the leg that they would carve the prosciutto off of, oh, yeah. and plates of cheese, and this, and 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 so we're there. And of course, I love this because we're all at a table. There's four generations. There were thirteen of us, and we're spanning the ages from like twelve to at that time eighty-eight. And um, and we all get along, which is really great. And they seem to like me, which is interesting. But anyway, <laughs> so the highlights of that evening, other than like it's. It's like my 20th date with my now husband. Um, they brought a bottle of wine, and I had to grab it out of their hand. The wine name was Sherry, as I spell it, S-H-A-R-I. So we had the picture of me holding the wine. But so at the end of the night, Don's father, my husband's father, thought, well, I'll pay for the group, not even thinking. And he picks up the bill. Now, this is, I don't know, six years later, eight years later. And he can't, still can't believe, he goes, that bill was over a thousand dollars. Oh, that made it memorable. But it was looking around and seeing the whole family there together, and they were in Italy, and we were going to go see where Grandma Nappy was from. There, you know, the last name is Nappy, Casalanova de Napoli. So we had a whole reason for being there, and that was our first dinner in Venice, and that will forever be memorialized in my brain for a whole lot of really pleasant reasons. Yeah, that is a really good memory. I like it too. Sherry, this is the time in the program where I ask if there's something we missed or if there's anything else you would like to add to the podcast that you'd like listeners to hear. So the floor is open to you. Go ahead. Thank you. Well, by now we realize that I'm pretty fearless and I've traveled a lot of places. Um, I did want to mention that um, travel is my full-time business, and I love making everyone's travel dreams a reality. Um, sometimes the things that are very interesting to people, other than, you know, what I do and that travel agents are not extinct, I tell them rumors of my extinction are really overstated, <laughs> uh, but they're always interested in where have I been and where am I going. So um, what always amazes people is that I tell them that one of the destinations that was made the most impact on me was when I went to Vietnam. 
And while I was there, I went to Thailand in that part of the world, and I went to Dubai, and I really found it very fascinating and um, enlightening. Um, the other place that I've been to that sometimes has mixed reviews given my geography here, but touched me no end was I took my 90-year-old in-laws um, last spring uh, on seven days to Cuba on a mm. cruise, and that was before the embassy went into place. That was before a lot of the changes have taken place. But connecting with the people and seeing the change and seeing their hope that they can come into this century and start to develop some autonomy and dining in the restaurants that are in the houses of the chefs and knowing that the money is going to that country and not, you know, to the government. I really believe that travel can be a catalyst for change. That said, uh, I was interrupted by Hurricane Irma this year on my own honeymoon. So people ask me what's up next, and I have a European and Greek cruise coming up for myself next year, which I am very looking forward to. And the following year, I'm actually accompanying a group, and um, I'm, I'm not a, you know, I don't market a whole lot because the business kind of comes to me, but this is so much fun. I'll put it on my social media pages from time to time. Uh, we are going uh, on the new Viking Ocean cruise. We are sailing from England up to Norway, and we will spend two days, a double overnight, so four days, laying in the region of Norway, closest to Finland, where it is most likely to see the elusive northern light. Mm -hmm. uh, that will be in February of 2019, and I do still have group space available, and people always want to travel with me. I might not always want to travel with them, but this is a rare opportunity, <laughs> and some of us are going to go and uh, and stay in the glass igloos oh, in yeah. afterwards. So, um, yeah, so that's that's definitely a bucket list trip. And that's a lot of what I plan is people are worried about checking off that bucket list. And I just love to help make that happen. I booked one of those trips last year. It was a land version, but they did see the Northern Lights and they did stay in the igloos. And it was, it was a, they have not stopped talking about it. So Yay. yeah, it was, a, it was a good one. And, uh, I will put that because really this is a good trip. People should be interested in it. So if you provide me that information or if you have a link to a website somewhere or, you know, however people can get the information, we'll put it in the show notes also. Great. I'll share that with you. No problem. Okay. Great. And then, um, this is a kind of an experimental, uh, portion of the show, but it has gone okay. I think I haven't had any bad feedback. But if you have a random question to ask me, it does not have to be about travel, but it could be. You're welcome to turn the interview the other direction and ask me a question. Well, Megan. Yes. I know that I will open my mouth and say something I haven't even thought of yet. People <laughs> rely on that. But being this is what you do, what is the craziest thing that someone you were interviewing has said that leaves you speechless that is okay for you to share with the listeners? Well, um, I, I have 
Recently, I've had someone say, hold on, I have to take a pee break and just leave me hanging. <laughs> that was pretty good. Uh, we get on a friendly basis right away, but um, I have lots of people share, you know, share with me that they're that they're having a drink while we're while we're interviewing because they, um, you know, they need to relax. So, um, as I'm having my own glass of wine, I appreciate that, and you know, hope that it's not too awkward. But um, yeah, I've definitely had like kids in the background saying like inappropriate things, like talking about body functions and parents like trying, you know, trying to shoo them away, which is fine. You know, we're a kid-friendly show and that's bound to happen on this episode. It's, or, you know, not this episode, but this podcast at some point because I have a two-year-old and he has learned, you know, a lot of those words from preschool and uh, is constantly talking about them. So yeah, I've had uh, pee breaks, wine breaks, and um, parents shooing their kids away and hushing them from talking about, you know, potty language on air. So it's a it's a good time, but um, it's entertaining. Well, it is. Great. It is. All right. Thanks for the question. Um, well, we will go ahead and put your contact information, your email, your website, phone number, whatever you want, and your bio in the guest section, so clients can contact you. And I just want to thank you for being on the podcast today. And um, until next time, this is Megan Chapa of the Travel Agent Interview saying good night. 